0: Conspiracy Show with Richard
1: Serrett from Zuma Radio AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Wallace Wagner Jr. wants to prepare Christians for UFO disclosure. His new book is Crossing the Crevice, and over the course of the next two hours, we'll delve into UFOs in the Bible, the 6,000-year-old Earth Theory, Giants, the Flood, Angels in Prayer, Bible History, and Manipulations Throughout History, Disclosure, the Secret Elite Government, and Wallace's own UFO sighting. Carlos Kajina is my technical producer, Ryan White is the live stream producer, and we are Indeed, live streaming on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. So, if you want to see me on the radio and our guest tonight, Wallace Wagner Jr., he's also joined the live stream. Just go to my, uh, my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and be sure to hit the red subscribe button. Wallace received his Bachelor of Science degree from West Virginia University in 1981 and subsequently did graduate work at Marshall University and the University of Charleston. He gained a unique understanding of the Bible from 40 years of study, mostly self-taught. He has an interest in UFO type craft in the Bible, prophecy, the great pyramid of Giza, disclosure and legitimate crop circles. In 2016, September of 2016, Wallace had his own UFO sighting of the white Tic Tac variety. Wallace Wagner Jr., welcome aboard. How are you, sir?
2: Well, I'm very well. Thank you for having me, Richard. It's good to be with you.
1: My pleasure. Let's begin with September 2016 and your own UFO sighting. Walk us through it.
2: Well, sure. I was a mailman at the time, and I had just delivered a package underneath the carport to this lady, and I was walking back to my vehicle, and I had this feeling that I needed to stop and look up. And that's exactly what I did standing in the lady's yard. And um, right over my head, uh, a couple thousand feet, was this object that should not have been there. Um, It was white, gleaming white, the whitest white one could imagine. But it had no windows, no wings, no nacelles, no exhaust, nothing which would, you know, indicate that it's flying. It appeared as a solid oblong object. And um, I saw it for approximately three seconds, and then it either cloaked or took off so fast uh, that it, 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 I just couldn't see it. And uh, there was no... Feeling or no magnetic anomalies. So there was uh, no sound, uh, nothing. It was there for about three seconds, and then it was not there. And uh, You
1: say you felt a need or an urge to look up. Any idea what that was all about? Were they calling you? Perhaps?
2: I don't know. But I just it was a beautiful day, and uh, one of those crystal-clear days, kind of a cool day. And a uh, very blue sky. But uh, I don't know whether it was telepathy or not, but I was—I I just felt like I needed to stop. And I stopped in my tracks and looked up, and there it was.
1: So September 2016, that is a year and a few months prior to that landmark New York Times article, which came out December 2017, which was followed by the, uh, uh, the um, UFO... Uh, footage from the F-A-18 uh, fighter plane, the gun camera, uh, which has become become known as the Tic Tac UFO incident. Now, when you looked up and you saw that white, shiny uh, object, did, did you think Tic Tac?
2: I did not. I thought it was Google Earth taking pictures. Then I thought it might be a blimp. Then I thought it might be a weather balloon. You know, you're taught that it's uh, all this stuff, even a, an inversion, but uh, it wasn't. I feel vindicated anyway, so that's that's when I ended up writing the book. You know, a little later, but um, I right, know what I saw, right. and it definitely changed me. And uh, I know they're out there.
1: Let's put it that but way. But the the similarities between similarities between your sighting in September 2016. And the footage that was released in December 2017, although it was captured in 2004 by this fa 18 uh, the the similarities are absolutely striking.
2: The size is almost dead on. I mean, what you say is exactly correct. Uh, Very striking. I'm wondering if it's the same object or same type of object. And uh, also wondering whether it's ours or theirs.
1: Right, right.
2: I don't have an answer for that.
1: None of us do, (laughs) if we're being totally honest. Uh, One of the purposes of this book is to prepare Christians for UFO disclosure. How do you aim to do that? That's a tall order. That's a a tall order.
2: Sure. I threw out a lot of different seeds, hoping that some would sprout. Uh, The book covers a lot of topics, and if I could connect with you know, some people on just one of those topics, and get them to open their eyes, they might go forward, but there's a large percentage of the population that, that, that I guess, don't want to believe or have not been taught, and the reality is we're the only ones alive, and, uh, you know, anybody who doesn't look like us must not be from God, and I could go on and on, but that, that's, that's the people. I am trying to connect with, and I myself come from that same realm, by the way. So I have a conservative Methodist and Southern Baptist background myself. So it's almost like I was preaching to the choir.
1: Right. In other words, you're you're not denying the divinity. Uh, you're not denying the existence of a creator. You're not denying the the existence of the historical Jesus, or that he was who he said he was.
2: You are exactly correct. And let me tell you, it was a very fine line, too, to try to balance with some of the topics I covered. But uh, I did the best I could. I just felt compelled to get my story out uh, after I was vindicated.
1: So. So what, in your estimation, Wallace, do Christians not understand
2: about UFOs? Well, they've been taught certain things. Uh, One line of, you know, a theory is is that all the UFOs are delusions or they're from the devil. That's a, you know, fairly popular. Um, They don't make the connection that the Bible is full of UFOs, and part of that reason is, uh, you know, the commentaries and the pundits. Don't call them UFOs. Don't even call them crafts. They they skirt all around, you know what what to call them. But they don't call them unidentified flying objects. And you know ne- neither do the uh, priests or preachers or Sunday school teachers. That it's really just not even covered. So it's not a part of their reality. But yet, uh, going back through the entire Bible, uh, there's many instances of these crafts from the Old Testament and the New Testament. So they are there. So we just need to come out of our little reality and open our eyes and see a bigger picture. And that That's so let's, the purpose of the book.
1: Right. So let, let's walk through some classic examples of... UFOs in the Bible, sometimes referred to, I guess, as chariots, and um, uh, Ezekiel's wheel comes to mind. Uh, let's, let's go through some, some examples. You, you go right ahead. Jump in.
2: Well, sure. Um, I'm probably not going to do the ones everybody's familiar with. I mean, everybody kind of sort of knows Ezekiel and uh, all the stuff that happened with Moses, which could certainly be uh, UFO activity. But I like to to start with something that really opened my eyes, and and that's with Zechariah, chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 5. And I would like to read that. It's from the New American Standard. Okay. It goes like this. Now I raised my eyes again and looked, and behold, four chariots were going out from between the two mountains. The mountains were bronze mountains. With the first chariot were red horses with the second chariot black horses with the third chariot white horses and with the fourth chariot strong spotted or dappled horses so i responded and said to the angel who was speaking with me what are these my lord the angel replied to me these are the four spirits of heaven going out after taking their stand before the lord of all the earth Now. Myself, like so many others, have read that numerous times and never made the connection that here Zechariah, a true prophet, is telling us that these horses coming out of these bronze mountains, which were chariots of fire, by the way, are actually spirits. And it's, the, it's, it's turned the light on for me for, for these crafts or these chariots of fire, to be called spirits. And so the word spirit, you need to examine closely in what you're reading and realize that uh, it may mean a craft. And there's another example uh, of that in the New Testament uh, where it is indeed a craft. And it's in uh, Revelation, actually. Revelation 4, 1. And it goes like this After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. And he went up, and he was in the Spirit. Now think about that a minute. John was flowing around the heavens in the Spirit. Not in spirit, but in the spirit. That door that opened in the sky or in heaven was a door to a craft. And again, I had read that so many times, and you're not going to see any commentary say that. You just have to realize that. And once, once you change your focus, just using that Old Testament and New Testament scripture, the whole Bible opens up. And right. realize that we're not alone and never been alone, and we're being watched this very second.
1: So, are you saying that in these two cases, Zechariah and Revelation, that spirit is interchangeable with craft?
2: I am. I am indeed. Indeed.
1: Well I, I'm, I, guess, I don't speak I don't Testament. speak Hebrew. I don't speak uh, ancient Hebrew or um, I speak a little bit of Greek, but I, it'd be interesting to see what I mean what is the Hebrew or Greek word for spirit and and could it be interpreted in any other way?
2: Well, it, it, you have to understand, I guess that the Hebrews only had about seventy five hundred words compared to our hundreds of thousands in the English language. So one word could have many different meanings. Uh, the the word for spirit is rausha, and it's uh, spelled R-U-A-C-H, and typically it means breath or some invisible moving force, like the wind or God's spirit. That's that's what you're going to find if you look up uh, the definition for it. But if you interchange it with like what Zechariah says then spirit can also mean a moving craft containing a spiritual body or spiritual entity right
1: the description of the the horses is interesting in Zechariah what's going on there he, there's a a white horse a, a I think a dappled horse w- what what do you suppose he was describing there
2: you know what, I've, I've thought about that a lot, and I, I know, you know, there's Bronze Mountains. The Bronze Mountain was most definitely a craft, maybe a, a, a mothership. And you, you think of all these orbs out there that everyone has seen and are still seeing, and they come in all these different colors. Is there a connection there? And I believe there, there may be. Um, each of them have a different color, but they all, each have a different purpose. So I'm going to let that stand uh, right there, and you can come to your own conclusion. But uh, it's interesting, nonetheless. Indeed, it is.
1: Wallace Wagner Jr. and the book is Crossing the Crevice. So your your sighting in 2016, you described it. It's it sort of flitted almost in and out of. I don't know if I'll use the word reality, but it was there and then it wasn't. And you you suppose that it was either, you know, flying at so such incredible speeds that it could simply vanish or that there was some sort of a cloaking device being utilized. Are there examples in the Bible uh, where a prophet or someone was seeing something maybe no one else was seeing or it was there and it wasn't there that might suggest, again, or be reminiscent of this cloaking-type capability?
2: Actually, yes. If you go to um, Kings, specifically 2 Kings, and start around chapter 6, you'll see a good example of that, and it refers to Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, the protege of Elijah, And it goes like this. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, This is hopeless, my master. What are we to do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain, meaning up in the sky, was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike these people with the blindness. And that's what uh, happened. So here the prophet knew they were there. and could probably see them, but a normal human... Uh, could not see them, and uh, but they were there all along. So they were cloaked to the normal human.
1: You mentioned Moses, and uh, I know that is perhaps for you well trodden territory. Some of our listeners, however, may not be familiar with some of the instances in the Bible involving Moses that you believe may have involved. Uh, some type of craft. Can you walk us through one before we uh, we 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 hit the break here?
2: Well, when he got the Ten Commandments, for example, um, going up on Mount Sinai, lightnings, thunders, ground shaking—you know the works—and when he comes back down, he's glowing. Some of the old texts that are not in the Bible said he actually had to cover his face. He was. Uh, gleaming or radiated. He radiated this light. And uh, think about that for a minute. He went up into a craft to get those writings, and I believe that was an after effect, without a doubt. And if we still have time, you can you, can, you know fast forward to the you know, pillar of light and the cloud during the day when they were in the desert and when they crossed the Red Sea. We're told that it's a wind, but can you imagine a breeze or a wind walling up the water of the ocean, straight up, vertical on both sides? That had to be a craft involved, probably the same craft that was with them the whole, whole time they were in the desert same craft that probably dropped the quail to them when they complained from eating manna. I mean, where did the quail come from? They fell from the sky. So, I, my, you know, I, I'm of the belief now that they were in a craft. and They opened the door and, and dumped them down whenever they were ready to eat. So, that's my belief now.
1: Right, right. But if if you subscribe to the notion there is an almighty God a creator all-powerful omniscient omnip- uh, omnipotent why would he need uh, the intervention of of these craft to do any of these things he could simply part the Red Sea if he wanted to he could um, like
2: Moses up and put him on the other side if he wanted to but it's interesting that, that you ask that um, there's a little verse, in Psalms uh, that goes something like this David David speaking I believe it's Psalms 2211
1: uh, actually Wallace I'm just going to get you to hold on to that when we come back I'll get you to read from Psalms 21 Wallace Wagner Jr. crossing the crevice back with more of our conversation right here on the Conspiracy Show my name is Richard Serrett stay with us The world is being pulled
0: over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarant from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at
1: 1-866-740-4740. Wallace Wagner is here crossing the crevice of the book, and he's trying to prepare Christians for... UFO disclosure, we're walking through some of the examples in Scripture where uh, he believes uh, what is being discussed by prophets uh, are, in fact, craft, alien craft. So we were talking about Moses, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, the uh, uh, manna from coming from heaven, the pillar of smoke, etc. That These may have been examples of craft or ufos so you wanted to refer to uh oh and i had asked you know if why would god need a craft to do any of these things he could do whatever he'd like and you wanted to refer to i believe it was psalm 21.
2: psalms 22 verse 11.
1: 22
2: all right it's david speaking it's a simple one-liner it says he referring to god rode on a cherub and flew So your question is very valid, uh, Richard, Um, and I'm I'm sure it's shared by many, many people out there. Why does God need a craft to fly? I have considered that a lot, and uh, I may shock the audience with my response, but I believe now that God is even bigger than what we've made him out to be. I believe that we had a visitor here, perhaps a son of God or someone connected with God, and we deemed him to be God. And I guess that would uh, mean that I probably subscribe to the ancient alien theory, which indeed I do. So when you read all, all this about God flying around in a craft, we mistook that as being the God of the entire universe and of all of creation. That, that's my take
1: we mistook it or did I hear that correct or
2: I did hear that correct
1: all right okay so the the in, intervention of this being you're saying is not the god of the entire universe but we interpret it that way but there is a god of the entire universe but oh, what sure, we're, sure. but But what was intervening here on Earth on behalf of Moses and the prophets and sort of driving this whole narrative of what was playing playing out down here on Earth was not the God, capital G God, but we assumed it was God.
2: You phrased that very well, my friend. I, I believe you're dead on.
1: All right. So why are you so certain ETs, or the the pilots of these craft, or maybe you don't, but let, let's delve into this that they are in fact extraterrestrial uh, and not let and, and let's say not interdimensional. Um, do you make a distinction? Does it matter? ETS versus interdimensionals?
2: Well it, to me it doesn't matter. Um, the fact is they're not from here. Now they could be interdimensional or they could be, from this same dimension, from another planet, or another solar system, or galaxy, for that matter. But um, the fact is that they are out there, and they have interacted with us for thousands of years. Um, and I believe our government, you know, knows that, and as well as some of the other governments. You you can look at like what the former Canadian. Minister of Defense, Paul Hillier, said we've been interacting with four species for thousands of years, but uh, we'll never admit it. So.
1: So, so let me just go back to the idea of interdimensionals versus extraterrestrials, because um, I think there could be a, a significant difference if we're talking about interdimensionals. And um, you and I have talked before, I made the comparison uh let's say humans looking down into a goldfish pond or a koi pond and and the fish only are aware of two dimensions uh and all of a sudden we we break the surface of the water with our finger we dip we bend down and we dip our finger and our finger breaks the surface of the water and to that fish uh Obviously they don't they don't ha- they're not rational um, uh, creatures, but if they were, they I could imagine them thinking that that was some sort of a supernatural or paranormal event. Where did that come from? And of course, the fish not uh, aware that 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 um, th- thing breaking the surface of the water is attached to a finger attached to an arm attached to an entire body of a of an an entity. Essentially, in another dimension, outside of their world. So, but we're always that. there.
2: The fact, yeah. the fact is, the finger is not a fish, and neither is that other entity. I think that's where right. we're, we're maybe differing. But 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 you bring up a very good point. In in that, um, my studies have led me to read you know, the books that are not in the Bible that were left out or voted down, one of which is the, the book of Enoch. And there are levels, or you might call dimensions, in heaven. And this, this is something that, that is really brought out in Hinduism and Buddhism, uh, I believe one has 14 levels, and perhaps Hinduism, or Buddhism, I believe, has 31 levels, but uh, the Book of Enoch says there's 10 levels, and the fact is they, they each operate on a different frequency. So from that standpoint, you might consider each one of those levels a different dimension, and there are those that are able to switch between levels. And just let me throw this out while we're on that subject. Um, that same book of Enix says that we, meaning humans, we go to level three when we die. And that is considered paradise. And it's interesting that the Gregori, or the angels who left their abode according to Jude, They're called the Grigori. They are one level less. They're on level two. So if you can use that as an analogy, you realize that the higher the frequency you vibrate, the higher the level you go. And I guess the object is to get one with God, which would be the highest level. And that that really brings out some Eastern religions, which were, I guess, taken out of the Christian religion uh, by the time Jerome wrote the Bible. So,
1: Well, I mean, the Bible also hints at hyperdimensions. It talks about the heavens being scrolled. When you think about a scroll, uh, to me, that, that screams dimension, hyperdimension. So I getting back to the the idea of interdimensional versus extraterrestrial if we're talking about and holding open the possibility that that these are interdimensional beings then we could talk about the angelic realm and if we're talking about the possibility that that these uh, craft are piloted by entities uh, interdimensional entities from the angelic realm then that totally squares with the Christian Uh, uh, narrative. Uh, To me, there is no discrepancy. There is no contradiction. Uh, And and that also makes sense in terms of the biblical narrative and the whole story and the purpose of the Bible. Uh, Are you open to that possibility?
2: I am. Certainly.
1: And the idea of fallen angels... Uh, or the watchers uh, taking daughters of men creating perhaps uh h- human and an- angelic hybrids or nephilim uh, is is that something that you're you're also open to
2: i am i believe i believe that definitely happened right we don't, right. We don't have an exact story on that richard if you know the bible's and I, I use the word Bibles. It depends on which translation you use as to what you get. But uh, there's a group of people that would go along with Zachariah Siskin that, that, that the Nephilim uh, came down from the stars. And then most scholars would say that the Nephilim were actually the giants, which were the offspring of the right. fallen sons of God and the pretty women here on Earth,
1: right? The Titans and the men of renown. Yep. So I guess my point is, if we look at it as that uh, along those lines, interdimensional angelic realm, I don't think there is really that that big of a um, a task in order to bring Christians on board with this because, again, if you look at it from that perspective, it totally fits with the biblical narrative. Do you know what I'm saying? So the idea of of these craft being piloted by angelic beings, either fallen angels or God's messengers, because we have encounters, we have people who have positive experiences with with, um, these entities, we have people that have very negative experiences with these entities. To me, it all fits. There's no
2: well, there's, good there's no key. good and bad out there. I mean, that's right. without a doubt. That's why there's wars in heaven. But, but in today's, I guess, churches, you're not taught anything about different dimensions, and you're not taught anything about these levels or anything like that. When you read that Paul knew somebody that went to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians... I've had many preachers tell me that, well, that's just in the stratosphere, above where the birds fly. That's, all, that's really all you get.
1: That's true. That I believe that's true. Uh, Wallace, we'll take another time out. Uh, stay put. We'll come back and discuss further. Crossing the Crevice with Wallace Wagner Jr. right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away.
0: Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett
1: from Zoomer Radio. Wallace Wagner Jr. is here. The book is Crossing the Crevice. How do we get a copy, Wallace?
2: Well, you can go to Amazon. It's available there in grayscale, color, or Kindle. And you can also go to my webpage, which is just the name of the book. It's www.crossingthecrevice.com. And you can get a signed color copy there directly from me, or you can see the link uh, go to Amazon from there
1: crevice dot com. All right, we were talking about the reticence to discuss some of these things, the existence of other dimensions in churches. Although you mentioned once before to me that you had an interesting and a surprising conversation with someone who was, uh, I, I believe, on the faculty uh, or the board of directors at a, a pretty prestigious Christian university in the, U- in the United States, and it kind of, it kind of um, pleasantly surprised you. Can you tell me about that?
2: It did. I was working with a fellow. And he was uh, an instructor at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is a conservative, basically Southern Baptist flavor school. And the topic of UFOs came up, and uh, he said, "We don't call them UFOs anymore. That you know that has a negative connotation to it. We call them crafts instead." And I will never forget that. And uh, I found that. Rather enlightening to come for someone that teaches at that school. So you you tackle progress, you ta-
1: right? Right, um, you tackle the uh, the great flood in crossing the Crevice and the the epic of uh, Gilgamesh. Uh, how does that fit into uh, the the UFO uh, the UFO narrative, if you will?
2: Well, uh, that's a. Uh, That's a long topic. (laughs) But, um, you know, the epic of of Gilgamesh is basically a precursor to the Flood. It was written long before Genesis was written, and it's pretty much the story. You have these, you know, these sky beings, and and they do fly. And uh, then we have the Flood story, and uh, there's no mention, really, of God. Lying in the flood, it's it's pretty much all taken out. But the the story of the flood itself, you know, is still left there. But it's a, it's interesting to think about. Um, I'll just let it go at that.
1: All right. Okay. Uh, let's spend a moment then talking about giants. Uh, of course, the Bible is is full of. Uh, st- stories of giants, uh, you know, before the flood and after the flood.
2: Uh, yeah, isn't that interesting? Especially when God said He was going, you know, to kill everything, but the giants were still there after the flood. But we we're taught that only eight people survived on the ark.
1: Right, Noah and his uh, Noah and his family and his mm-hmm. and his sons' w- wives.
2: Yep. uh so, so
1: what are the possibilities here one is that the the noah and his family were, were supposed to be of pure blood in other words they were not contaminated by any fallen angel blood uh but perhaps that wasn't the case or is it possible that the the spirit of these nephilim which uh, some biblical scholars believe the, the spirit uh, of the Nephilim are actually the demons that we, uh, that we talk about in the Bible, uh, that the, their spirit was still, uh, you know, around. Uh, so those are a couple of possibilities. What are the other, what's the other possibility then? If, if giants existed before the well, there flood, is,
2: There, there was, is a phrase that says the Nephilim were on the earth in, in, in those days, both before and after the flood.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: But then, it, you know, in the Bible it contradicts that, and that the only living beings were the eight people on the ark. But we know that giants were there after the flood. So, where they were during the flood, you got me. I don't think anybody can answer that. But, but we know that it was left up to humans to eventually destroy the giants. And that's what happened. You can read all about that in the Old Testament. There was, for example, Og, who had a bed that was over 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. Then you think about all the so-called myths of all the giants in in the Greek mythology. Uh, You know, I'm sure there's a fragment of truth in that.
1: Right, right. The the Greek, uh, the, the Pantheon. Uh, gods the stories of hercules and and atlas and others oh, sure uh, right so right so who do you think or where what do you think these giants were then and how does that square with the the ufo narrative
2: i believe they were hybrids i, b- I believe that this these people who came down from the sky were some type of alien entities, and their DNA mixed with ours, and we got giants as a result. And I guess the giants you would consider to be hybrids. And without a doubt, there were giants. Um, you can look at the the mounds in the Ohio Valley from the Adena tribes. I mean, there's you know eight foot skeletons in there. You can go to um, Cairo Museum and, and look at all the sarcophagi that's nine feet long, and you wouldn't waste the time and money to make a sarcophagus nine feet long unless somebody that you were putting in it was nine feet long. Now would you? And, and they're, they're strewn about everywhere. And, and you find all these skeletons uh, that are of large humans, and it's interesting that a lot of them seem to disappear, but uh, they have been found. So we we know for a fact that that's pretty much what what's happened in our past.
1: Right. So, no, I don't think there's any question that there were giants um, before the flood, after the flood.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, you, can, you can you can you know probably make a case that. When when the sons of God saw the women and came down, they came down in, you guessed it, craft.
1: Sure, sure. Again, for me, that you know that totally squares with the biblical narrative. Um, uh, all part of, um, you know, Satan's plan, Lucifer's plan to uh, prevent the arrival of um, the Messiah to forestall the arrival to save uh, to save humankind we'll uh, we'll take another time out come back wallace wagner junior crossing the crevice right here on the conspiracy show stay with us
0: Big brother is listening and so are you to the conspiracy show with richard serrett from zoomer radio to speak with richard call 416-360-0740 or toll free
1: 1-866-740-4740 wallace i want to talk to you about your trip to egypt and uh, some of the Fascinating uh, things that you talk about in your book about the pyramids. Uh, first of all, tell me about the uh, the sides of the pyramids and what you discovered. We we tend to think of uh, the the sides as being you know straight angles and so forth. But what did you discover?
2: Well, we we initially did think that, uh, but from satellite photos from the seventies, we realized the sides are actually concave. Uh, and the degree to which they are concave matches the exact curvature of the Earth. Now you think about that. If that if that was built back in 2560 B.C., how did they know the, what the degree of of you know, the sphere of the Earth was? Uh, and, and that it's exact. And uh, I found that very interesting. And there's so much you can talk about the Great Pyramid. I don't even know where where to begin. Really. You
1: well, know, let's talk about the the uh, the original um, covering of the uh, the the pyramid. Now, of course, it's all been exposed, but the the original sort of uh, white limestone, or I believe it was limestone that that covered
2: white limestone. Yes, it was brought in right. from hundreds of miles away down around Aswan, but uh, it was covered. And fit together so precisely that it appeared as a solid object. And there was a door that was fit so perfectly and so well centered that you could open it with your pinky. And each one of those stones, by the way, it has been calculated that there's 36,000 per side, four times 36,000. 144,000. There's another biblical number for you from Revelation. But what's interesting, um, if there's 36,000 aside, and there's 144,000 white stones, what, what is so intriguing is that there was writing on each one of those stones when the pyramid was built, and no one could ever decipher that writing. We do know that there were 144,000 individual names. And unfortunately, due to some earthquakes in the Cairo area, those white limestone blocks were easy pickings for some mosque. So we just have just a few of them left on the Great Pyramid uh, along the bottom and, and you know what everything's worn off right now, so it's just inter- interesting to know that there is a biblical connection from the, from the 144,000.
1: Right. Explain that 144,000 in Revelation. What is the significance?
2: Well, it's, it's considered to be the chosen ones uh, of God. And uh, they have a special place, let's say. In, in...
1: in, in, in end times prophecy. Mm-hmm. In the okay. end of time, in the end of days, rather. Yep. Exactly, and so the one hundred and forty-four thousand mentioned, chosen ones mentioned in Revelation, you believe correspond with the one hundred and forty-four thousand um, limestone caps on the pyramid.
2: You could certainly claim.
1: Right, right. So, what do you suppose were, were what was inscribed on each of these stones? This. The names well, of the chosen mentions
2: ones. Mentions of a white stone, you know, in, uh, mentioned in the Bible. But um, I believe it's if 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 you consider the possibility that the Great Pyramid is actually mentioned in the Bible, that that each one of those people were given a white stone, and their name is engraved on it. Um, I found that quite fascinating.
1: Well, you mentioned it. It is some people say they argue against the veracity of the Bible because they say, "Well, why aren't the pyramids mentioned in the Bible?" And and indeed, they're not, right? But not I mean, is that you have to read no, between not, the lines? Okay. Can you give me an example then, where we met, we might by reading in between the lines, where might we find the pyramids well, I, mentioned in the Bible?
2: I, I can. Um, Where it is right off hand, I don't remember, I believe it's either in Job, but uh, it's talking about the Lord, where were you when I measured the foundation of the earth? And if you study the pyramid, the Great Pyramid, you realize that it is an exact physical representation of the earth in mathematical uh, uh, terms. Uh, there's measurements everywhere that support they knew what the Earth was. They knew the size of the Earth, and even where the Great Pyramid is located, uh, Richard is in the exact center of the Earth. And and I mean I mean that from a uh, geolo- geological standpoint or geophysical standpoint. With all the land masses together, it's directly in the middle. And there's actually a book that did not make it into the Bible, which refers to that. It's in the book of Adam and Eve, and you can't make this up, but Noah was told to take the embalmed body of Adam and place it in the center of the earth. I'll let that percolate for a second or two <laughs> we don't so Adam more. now Noah. Adam
1: Adam was placed in the in the pyramid
2: uh, um, leaving that to our listeners but that is certainly something to think about we know how special the lineage from Adam down through Noah was we've already made mention of that and and this is a book that did not make it in the Bible it's called the book of Adam and Eve and Noah is specifically told to take the embalmed body of Adam and place it in the center of the earth. And the center of the earth is the Great Pyramid at Giza. Remarkable.
1: Remarkable. So, we've just got a, a few minutes here before the, uh, the top of the hour, and what I'd like to do is... In hour two, get into a UFO disclosure, I know there's a, an FBI document you'd like to uh, speak about yes, or talk to a I lot of things I, that w-
2: we've talked about already together.
1: It brings it all together. Yeah. Uh, let's see now, just uh, in a in couple minutes, it remain till the top of the hour. Uh, let me just stick with the pyramids for a moment.
2: Sure.
1: Because you mentioned, you know, perhaps Adam being entombed in the pyramid. Uh, I, I know sort of the Orthodox Egyptologists still maintain that they were burial chambers, although there were no pharaohs ever found in the pyramids. You are exactly I've had, correct. I've had many people on over the years talking about the purpose of the pyramid, that it was a, some sort of a power plant, that it was a water pump. Uh, what do you think the pyramid pyramids were
2: for? I used to think it was a power plant. However, I'm I'm going to take a different, I guess, line of thought, and I, I've read her book recently, uh, and it, it rings true to me. And that's the Great Pyramid was built as an initiation chamber. Now, before I shock everybody, what do I mean? I mean a mystery school, and something like uh... the rosicrucians or the illuminati but back then in egypt they had a very special secret wisdom school called the panthers and i honestly believe the great pyramid was utilized uh... for initiations rites into that school and quite possibly jesus christ was a graduate of that school and he went through the great pyramid
1: And uh, you also mentioned something about the capstone that's missing from the pyramid. What what was that capstone?
2: Well, that, that, that's open for debate, as a lot of this stuff is. Uh, it's debatable whether or not it was there. I, I, I believe that at one point it, it was there. And if you fall in line with believing that it was used as an initiation chamber, then from my studies... Uh, I understand that it's made of resin, or rosin, and that it sat on top of the Great Pyramid, and it had carved in it a snake. And that snake, or serpent, is something that, uh, you know, we refer to uh, as, you know, you might see on a medical uh, emblem of some type. But basically, when someone went through that initiation, if they succeeded their fellow members would hum, and the Great Pyramid is very resonant, and creates a sound and a frequency. And that frequency, kind of like piezoelectric, it would light up the Benben stone on top and cast the picture of that serpent onto the ground. So, from that standpoint, I guess you could you could say it was an energy. Device, but um, that—that's—that's that's where I stand right now. If you're asking me what I believe it was built for, all
1: right. We are up against the top of the hour. Stick with us. We'll be back with uh, more of our conversation on the other side. We'll open up phones as well, questions and comments, and we'll take questions from the YouTube live chat for Wallace Wagner. Stay with us. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling electric fireplace and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that sea spoon just off the interstate, And your cabin in the woods. Wallace Wagner stays with us as we continue to discuss UFOs and the Bible. His new book, Crossing the Crevice, examines UFOs in the Bible, the 6,000-year-old Earth theory, giants, the flood, angels in prayer, Bible histories, manipulations throughout history, disclosure, the secret elite government, and uh, Wallace's own UFO sighting, which we discussed in hour one. Wallace received his B.S. degree from West Virginia University in 1981. Subsequently, he did graduate work at Marshall University and the University of Charleston. He gained a unique understanding of the Bible from 40 years of study, mostly self-taught. He has an interest in UFO-type craft in the Bible, prophecy, the Great Pyramid of Giza, disclosure, legitimate crop circles. And as I uh, mentioned, uh, in September 2016, he had his own UFO sighting of the white tic-tac variety. All right, so let's talk about uh, UFO disclosure. And uh, you had sent me a link to a, um, an FBI document, uh, which is quite interesting, and we're going to spend a little bit of time walking through this. First of all, uh, when did this this FBI document, which I believe came from a uh, the San Francisco office, detailing UFOs and extraterrestrials. When did this document come to light? When was it written and when was it, uh, I guess, released?
2: Well, it originated back in 1947. And apparently it, it's come to light fairly recently. Uh, I believe it was around 2010 or so, but it's been buried in, in the vault and uh, was released by Freedom of Information Act. A lot of it's, of course, redacted like you see so many times, but on a couple of pages there's some very, very interesting information, and it's doubly interesting knowing that it's now, you know, 70 years old. (laughs) So uh, uh, I find it quite fascinating. We're talking about different dimensions, and we're talking about Beings who are large. Uh, if you focus in on a couple pages there, specifically 21 and 22 out of the 69 pages. And for our listeners, you can go to the FBI website at Vault. It's spelled V-A-U-L-T. Dot F-B-I. Dot gov slash UFO and you're looking for the document that has the 69 pages, and you, re- you, read, you read that and you realize that, you know, this is stuff that's being talked about in our upper echelon parts of the government back then. And we read that the DISC, yes, DISC, carry crews. some of them are under remote control, their mission is peaceful, and the visitors are thinking about settling on this planet. And these visitors are human-like, but much larger in size. And it goes on to say that uh, they come from their own world. Their disks have some type of a energy ray, which is deadly some type of energy. Um, they don't come as, from another planet, per se, but an etheric planet, which is, I guess, might consider to be another dimension. And um, they can materialize and enter our frequency, uh, you know, pretty much at will. And then they can re-enter theirs to uh, you know at their will and in doing so they disappear from our view. So is that cloaking? Mm-hmm. I mean sounds like it to me And, and another interesting thing that uh, they mentioned that they are not from this astral plane that corresponds to some Far Eastern religions like the Lycus or talus. Which are you know refers to different levels, like we talked about earlier, or perhaps dimensions based upon different frequencies or vibrations. So,
1: so it's interesting. The, the, the date nineteen
2: forty seven.
1: Right, I was just going to say nineteen forty seven. That is sort of ground zero for the modern day UFO phenomenon. We had the Kenneth Arnold sightings. You got it uh, at, at Mount Rainier in uh, in Washington, followed by. Uh, roswell there was the aztec ufo uh incident there was a lot happening in 1947 people just think of roswell in july of 47 but there were multiple multiple sightings in and around that time uh do you think there's any significance to the year 1947 why did it i mean i know there were there have been other sightings predating 47 we're taking it right back to the bible and so forth but why 1947 what is the significance
2: well for me it has to do with atomic warfare that's what resonates with me uh, setting off the atomic bombs and uh... apparently from my studies when we do that we negatively impact other entities that are out there and how that happens i am not real, sh- real sure but uh... it's either the the strength, uh, the splitting of the atoms and whatnot that causes that, or it's actually perhaps a tear in space-time. But they have certainly made themselves known, and a lot of that did happen around 1947, which happens to be near, you know right near the end of World War II.
1: Right, right. Well, again, if they are etheric entities, if they are interdimensional and not extraterrestrial, because uh, you think about it, if if uh, you're living on a planet that's light years from Earth, I can't imagine that uh, a nuclear device going off on Earth would be of any consequence to someone who's living light years away. It would be, you know, like a a match uh, being seen from you know, being lit and being seen th- from 30,000 miles away. Uh, but if they are interdimensional, in other words, they're right in front of our our nose. We just can't detect them because of a different vibratory rate. Then all of a sudden it makes more sense.
2: Yes, it does. And uh, I, believe, I believe you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, you'll have many, many scholars and, well, even former presidents, by the way, that would say they're among us now. So maybe we just can't see them. They operate at a different frequency. And if that's the case, then what you say is totally, you know, totally true. Uh, They are from another dimension. And that dimension could be right here upon us, close by. We just can't see it.
1: July 1947 that's very close to uh well that is that's Roswell right but it doesn't sound like this uh FBI agent was referring to Roswell because he talks about um
2: these large human or large yes
1: these entities exactly Roswell large at the small ones exactly so do do you have any idea which Craft uh, UFO crash site. He he may have been referring to then.
2: I uh, actually don't. Uh, there were so many, there were so many sightings. Uh, this is this is just one of them. And uh, really, what caught my attention was was the fact that we were talking about dimensions, and this just fit right in with it. The
1: idea of certain of these crew members being under remote control. Is fascinating because I've often heard the greys being described as um, not really biological, but but more um, artificial intelligence. Does that does have, that make sense? I've heard
2: that as, as well. In other words, almost a drone that's perhaps controlled remotely.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: I and mean, that's very interesting.
1: Uh, it goes on to say, yes, there have been crashed craft and bodies recovered. We are not alone in the universe. They have been coming here for a long time. Oh, this, um, this is not from the document. This is Apollo 14 astronaut uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, of course. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, look look so, at what Neil Armstrong said. Their ships were huge and menacing-looking, caught off-camera, of course.
1: Right. This is the the chatter between uh, Armstrong and I guess uh, Mission Control in in Houston when he's talking about on the surface of the Moon. These seeing these craft.
2: They have their own private channel. We're we're not privileged to.
1: Right. Yeah. So what what do you suppose is uh, preventing disclosure? Is it the fact that they they. Uh, Majestic Twelve or whoever is in charge of UFO secrecy is so afraid uh, that this would be so disruptive to world religion and so forth uh, that they 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 feel they must keep it a secret, or is it because they have technology back engineered from aliens they don't want to share with the rest of us? What is the purpose of disclosure? Or sorry, what is the purpose of the UFO secrecy?
2: I'm not I'm not sure that all the religions would. Take you know a negative stance to it, or be surprised by it. But for the most part, evangelical Christians would be, um, being that we're you know supposedly the most powerful country on the earth, and most everything's from oil to a lot of other countries use our dollar as currency. It's all about keeping the status quo, and and not causing panic, and if you look at our track history, and H.G. Wells, War of the world's come to, come to mind back in 1938, look what happened, and, and that radio program was repeated in Chile uh, several years later, and in Ecuador. Uh, a couple of years later. And in Ecuador, there were actually six people killed. And they actually tore down the radio station.
1: Oh, that was, is that right? You know, I wasn't aware of that.
2: Wells, so so we, we, we don't do that anymore. And then you have the Brookings report from from 1960, uh, basically says we cannot handle the truth, that it would be be disruptive to society. So I think that's that's kind of what the mindset is, for our majestic twelve, as you say, which I believe still exist. So that's, you know, right. that's really why I wrote my book to try to try to move this along.
1: Are you? Uh, we we were talking about nuclear uh, devices, and and um, I've had Robert Sala on talking, or Salas, talking about. UFOs being seen over nuclear missile sites particularly in in the 1960s 1967 uh Malmstrom Air Force Base mm-hmm. Minot Air, um uh, a missile site in uh, North Dakota where it was reported that these UFOs seemed to to take these missiles offline in other words turn them off uh, there were some cases reported in the Soviet Union. This came out after the the fall of the, uh, the or the collapse of the uh, the the um, the wall and and the Soviet Empire that that UFOs had engaged or turned missiles on. So I'm just wondering, you know what they're playing at. I, I can understand them wanting to turn missiles off, but why would they be turning missiles on? It, it was almost as if they were trying to instigate something in these cases.
2: Well, I, I don't. I'm not sure about the instigate, but I think they're letting us know that they have powers, and that we're being watched. And regardless, they may not allow us to kill ourselves. There's there's other videos that, that show this white craft circling around a missile, trying to disarm it and shooting out rays. I I think you've probably seen that. And and these crafts or these beings have much more developed brains than what we have. And when I say developed, I mean in terms of telepathy and things of that nature. So they don't have to talk to each other, and they don't have to talk to us. They can use their minds to put thoughts uh, their thoughts into our brain and they have the uh, telekinesis abilities so they, they can actually turn the switches on and off without being there and it's it's things like that 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 uh, you find interesting and perhaps a little bit scary however honestly believe and this is a personal thought that we have those capabilities we're just feeling great and we're not really being taught how to use them so maybe that's in our future
1: something that's always confused me though and that is where were the craft in 1945 to prevent the the dropping of the atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki
2: well don't don't take this the wrong way but probably in the same place that all the, all the thousands of people that were killed in the Old Testament. Um, how many times do you read that an angel, you know, killed people or uh, a plague happened and killed people or Moses was told to go kill a, uh, another group of people, the Amorites or, or whatever? Uh, that's a very good question, um, my my personal thought is that it's for the greater good. Uh, I guess that's a, a, a Spock term: the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And there must be some type of some type of a code, maybe, that they can only interfere so much in our dimension or in our plane, and. You know, we have choices to make here as part of growing up, uh, and they just maybe guide us the best they can to make the right choices. That, that's We've got a
1: couple of minutes here before a break, Wallace. I wanted to get into the alien abduction phenomenon with you. Uh, what What do you think is happening there? Are these... Uh, the more the more sinister uh, races of ETs or interdimensionals that are involved in this, or what is the purpose of the alien abduction?
2: Well, I, I think I think it's twofold. Uh, I think that some are malevolent and some are benevolent, bele- and perhaps the the good ones are possibly using us or our DNA to create hybrids. Uh, Maybe for another world. You know, if you look at what's called the rapture, we are taken out of here. Our, our, we're taught that Christ-believing saved people are taken out of here uh, at the end of time. And where are we taken to? We're taken to another world with a new heaven, a world where there's no ocean. So maybe they are working on that. And when I say they... It's what we determined to be God is working on that now, with with uh, Jesus preparing a home for us. So when that happens, whenever that may be, uh, that's what's in store for us.
1: But 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 people report, you know, being being probed and tortured, and you know, they're they're in many cases they're scarred irreparably for, for life by these encounters uh, that hardly seems like the actions of a, of a spiritually evolved entity.
2: Well, as I say, some are good and some are bad. Um, there's been a lot of people under hypnosis that would tell you that out there in space there is this supreme being who is ultimately good, but there's also a very, very negative entity that literally everyone is afraid of. And that, that has come out in a lot of interviews under hypnosis. And you think about, you know, what, what creates the war in heaven? It's good versus bad. It's sons of God versus sons of the evil one. And it's, it's played out through history, and it's, it's still playing out now. Look what happened at Nuremberg with, with all the fighting in the sky. And you can trace that back way back before Christ. Same th- type things happening. And it, it's happening now. What, what, what if they're wanting to see if uh, they are compatible with us? And uh, because they want to move us to another world, and that other world may not be as conducive to human life as we know it. Uh, so maybe we'll need a modification or two. I mean, I, I think about all these things. So may, maybe, maybe there's an entity out there who's come to the end of their DNA and, and they need some fresh DNA, and, and they're trying to sustain uh, their species. That's a possibility as well. We we, we would probably view that as something evil.
1: All right, Wallace, we'll take another time out. We'll come back. We'll open up the uh, phone lines, questions, and comments. Also, I will field questions from the YouTube live chat. Wallace Wagner, crossing the crevice, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. PIN numbers, passcodes,
0: social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at
1: 1-866-740-4740. Wallace Wagner stays with us. Let's go to the phones and we've got Paul checking in from Oshawa. Hello, Paul. Welcome.
3: Good evening, Richard. Thanks for accepting the call and uh, hope you're keeping well. And hi, Wallace. I have a big question for you. Sure, Paul. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I was studying the uh, Lady of Fatima going back to France, 1858, uh, Saint Bernadette. And I fast forward and uh, looked at the uh, 1917 of uh, Lady of Fatima. And I then bumped into an Egyptian guy in uh, December last year, and uh, he had told me he had witnessed the Mother Mary in Egypt. And I wasn't aware of a case that apparently she uh, had appeared from 1968 to 1970 to hundreds, if not millions, of people. So to fast forward, uh, I then watched uh, a week before February 25th uh, Our Lady of Fatima on Netflix, and I, I saw in the movie the emphasis that the mother had given the children was on the rosary uh, as a prayer, uh, as uh, the power of prayer, hope, and healing. And uh, just what happened later on February 25th, uh, I went out for a smoke, and I had this long-strand object about a 1,000 feet uh, above my head, pulled out my camera and took some pictures, and I took a picture of a rosary with the beads and the cross at the bottom. Now, I've had uh, quite a series of UFO sightings throughout my life, but this one really kicked the cake about, uh, you know, uh, in regards to the Mother Mary. And the pictures i would seen from uh, Egypt shows uh, white doves at night, if they are doves. And the Mother itself, I'm just curious on your take, is this uh, a presence of an angelic realm, very powerful and high, or is this the masquerading of aliens? To uh, you know, uh, quench or to uh, secure the people in holiness. Well, good
2: question, well, first Paul. First of Thanks all, i will say that I'm very envious of your sightings. Uh, I would have liked to have seen what you saw. Uh, as far as the Mother Mary, I, I would probably have to go along with angelic realm and and knowing that angels are all around us all the time, and they can pop in and pop out, meaning we can see them and then we can't see them, that they know that we hold Mother Mary in very high esteem, and so for her to appear would have some type of a religious, spiritual meaning for us. So they allow her or she has permission to appear to us. That's the way I would kind of view that.
1: All right, Paul, thanks for the question. Uh, Let's go to the YouTube live chat. Stardust Freedom Journey asks, Wallace, do you believe giants will play a role in end-time events?
2: I do not. Um... What will play a role and is playing a role now would be crop circles. Uh, We're we're told that in times there will be signs in the heavens and on the earth, and we've had these signs on the earth since the late 70s and early 80s when they really took off, and we wanted a quick answer, and we got a quick answer. They were man-made, and now they even talk about it is considered, you know, heresy or non-mainstream or fringe science when, in fact, many scientists and people in the know realize that most of these crop circles are not man-made. I mean, there's been some in England that are over 700 feet in diameter, and it just takes a few seconds to make a crop circle, by the way, and they are made by an orb, Perhaps a colored orb like we've already talked about this evening, swooping down, making a crop circle. And there's been thousands of them uh, in in over fifty countries and and you know, it's it's not even on the news anymore. And it's just it, it's amazing. And these signs are right here in front of us. So
1: it's pretty easy to and to, to, to determine a leg- legitimate crop formation or crop circle, and a one that's been oh, created sure. by people strapping boards on their shoes and stomping around. And, and because the, the 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 real crop circles uh, have this delicate woven pattern, and the actual you know the grains the stems are not crushed. Uh, they're they're woven together like this amazing amazing tapestry. But what do you think? these signs on the ground um what do they what do they say what it would how are we supposed to interpret them
2: well both you and i could retire real fast with a lot of money if we knew what they said i don't know what they say I, I know that there's a lot of mathematical you know and geometry and, and calculus and everything else involved fractals uh with them um I, I wish I could shed light on that. It's just one of those unknown things that's a sign that we're probably going to know later, but not now, as to what you know, as to what they are. Yes, we've proven we can make them and what you say is correct. Uh, we break the stems and the stalks and, and destroy the flower head and you know in Australia for example in, in canola it's it's like celery. I mean, fresh celery, you 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 go out and step on it, and it snaps and breaks, and you you destroy the head completely. It just turns into into mush. And, and but a real crop circle will bend those those stalks up to 90 degrees without breaking them, and leave the head completely intact. and Let alone all the. Um, Interesting phenomena that happen inside those crop circles: magnetic anomalies, batteries going dead, lost time. Even with you, you know the, you have these fancy wrist watches today that are ultra high precision, they can still lose time very easily inside a real crop circle. There's still a lot of people studying them, by the way. But uh, as far as the messages they're saying. Aside from our response to the Ecibo, uh message, it's it's really hard to say.
1: You mentioned missing time. Uh, Show me the truth, seventy-four from the YouTube live chat asks, uh, Mister Wagner. Since you saw the Tic Tac craft, have you experienced any missing time?
2: I have not. Um, I know people that have, but. Me, personally, it's been a one-time experience, and there's been no missing time.
1: Uh, I saw an interview you did with Michael Hall, who's been with me on the program. Mm -hmm. And uh, he actually was kind of, um, after you you related your Tic Tac UFO incident in 2016, he really probed, and he pulled something out of you. I, I don't even think that you made the connection, and that is some strange dreams that you had as a child. That were connected, perhaps, perhaps not, but may have been connected to that, to that sighting. We just have a couple minutes here before the break. Maybe you could, do you remember? Do you remember that?
2: Well, that I, exchange? I do remember that conversation, and, and uh, I'll just I'll just say that I had a very interesting dream when I was either thirteen or fourteen. Um, three men in a, in black suits. Now you're going to think instantly, men in black, and I cannot confirm one way or the other if that's who they were but i was basically told in that dream that i would experience a lot of highs and a lot of lows in this lifetime and that's what was destined for me and when i woke up from that dream i was just had the best feeling uh, i've ever had in my life it was it was uh, like you were on cloud nine or something like that. You, you, uh, I felt a peace. Um, um, I just feel great, uh, like you could tackle the world. And uh, I've never forgotten that. So I don't know whether that's a connection to this craft that I saw or not, but it's certainly something to consider.
1: would you would you consider undergoing a uh, regression hypno regression to see if maybe there's something else that that uh, that occurred immediately following that sighting that UFO sighting in 2016 I'm, that I'm you laughing that you, you you're not remember
2: i'm i'm thinking right off the bat my head so hard that i don't think that the regression would work <laughs> but, um I would consider that, sure. Uh, but where I live here locally, there's there's no one inclined you know, to really do that. Uh, but I, I would have an open mind to do it, sure. Why not? All right.
1: Well, why not indeed? We'll take another time out, come back, continue to discuss uh, Crossing the Crevice with author Wallace Wagner, Jr., right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us providing the evidence,
0: and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant on Zoomer Radio.
1: Let's go right back to the uh, YouTube live chat. Uh, You Betcha asks, Wallace, do you think we'll find proof of extraterrestrial life with all the probes to other planets or with SETI?
2: I think we've already found proof. I think it's been (laughs) airbrushed out by... JPL. So, I think that's the right way to answer that question. I mean, we're on Mars now. We're, you would you would think that that we would get some live pictures from the little helicopter thing, and and it just seems like we've we've just been played with this whole time with with, with Mars, and, and that's a case that you know if you believe that there's life out there and it's extraterrestrial life, then that would apply to Mars because I believe that there's definitely been life on Mars. And perhaps it was a catastrophic event, perhaps some type of a large bomb array destroyed everything. But uh, I, th- I think it's going to come out sooner or later that, yes, it, it's out there. And who knows? Unless- maybe, maybe the... Uh, Chinese craft that's circling there now, which is very interesting. Why are they still circling? But uh, the T-O-N-1, I think it's supposed to perhaps land in May. Who, know, who knows what, the, you know, what, what they're going to produce.
1: Unless, of course, we are talking about interdimensionals and not extraterrestrials. Correct. Let's talk some more about disclosure we had i mentioned that the december 2017 new york times uh, article that um, had many people believing that disclosure was imminent this is when the pentagon official luis elizondo blew the whistle on this secret ufo study project called atip advanced aerial threat identification project And um, since then, of course, we had the release of the uh, U.S. Navy's uh, Tic Tac UFO incident. We've had, um, I believe there was another video from a a carrier uh, fighter group off the coast of Florida. Uh, We've recently had the um, declassification of something referred to as the UFO, uh, sorry, the U.S. Navy's UFO patents, where they seem to admit they're in possession of um, back-engineer technology, although that's up for debate. Where do you think this is heading? I mean, how close are we to disclosure, or are we just being sort of strung along here?
2: Well, a year ago, I would have said, you know, it might be twenty years out. But the way things are are shaping here, I believe the, uh, the, the pendulum, the has actually stopped and may be starting to swing in the other direction. Um, let, let let's look at two airline incidents you go back to the eighties with the uh, japan airline flight over alaska and you know they went public and look what happened Uh, the captain found found himself behind uh, a desk and here recently we had the um, american airline flight going from cincinnati down to phoenix and uh he reports he sees, quote, an oblong object flying over his airplane. And American lets them talk about it and, in fact, says, well, contact the UFO or contact the FBI, I mean, about about the UFO. So um, they're still flying and, and you know, not a whole lot of mention is made about it. So with, with, with that, it's apparently okay now to have this discussion and I think that is a big step in the right direction. And we've also been, you know, desensitized with, with, with Star Trek and Star Wars and and the such. Uh, so I think in some way the, the government, whether directly or indirectly, is is working on us to prepare us for some bigger drips, and those bigger drips may be that, yes, we can confirm that there's been life on Mars. That may be a starting point, and that would, you know, that's not putting an entity in front of us right now or admitting a whole lot more than that, but that would be a great starting point. And we've, you know, we've already mentioned uh, from President Clinton about the meteorite, and you have the theory of transpermia with, with uh, you know, life being spread about just like dust in the air. And I, th- I think that you might get the disclosure maybe within five years now. I think it's really happening fast, whether it's purposeful purpose, purposeful or accidental. Uh, it, the cat's out of the bag now, so it's interesting and to see where this is going to go and what avenue it's going to take and how much information we're going to get, how fast. So I, w- I would say probably within five, six, seven years now, we will have some type of a confirmation that there's been life on another planet as a, you know, as a starting point.
1: How will that disclosure happen? Are we talking about a presidential announcement on the White House lawn or how will it happen, do you suppose? Oh boy,
2: that, that's good. Uh, um, it's going to be messy no matter how it happens. Uh, it probably would be a pre-recorded message uh, from the White House, if I had to guess, uh, with several other people involved. and. Just make some general comments that, uh, you know, we have found life, and uh, it's out there, so that question's been answered, and uh, we're, we're putting more resources towards, you know, the UFO enigma and, and that type of thing. And just use it as a stepping stone without freaking people out. That That would be the goal, if you could do that, so we would keep our capitalist system still intact. I mean... That's what you've got to look at. You want to wake up and have money in your 401k the day after disclosure, right?
1: (laughs) All right. Well, that—that's a great question.
2: What What, boils down to?
1: Well, in large measure, you're right. Let's uh, let's take another time out, and when we come back, let's talk about what life would look like the day after disclosure. Wallace Wagner, my guest, Wallace Wagner Jr., the author of Crossing the Crevice, crossingthecrevice.com, the website, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us.
0: Take a look around. What do you really need? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show
1: with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. That's in the Greater Toronto area. Toll free from just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. Wallace Wagner Jr. And the book is Crossing the Crevice. Crossing the Crevice com, the website. So uh, before we get into life after disclosure, um here we are 75 years almost removed from Roswell and, and the veil of – or the lid of secrecy that descended immediately following Roswell. So what has changed in the, uh, in, the, in the scheme of things that now we are at a point where they are ready to lift this lid of secrecy? Is there been this battle going on backstage between those that want to disclose – and those that want to remain or to keep the lid in place?
2: I believe that there has, uh, Richard. Um, Somebody needs to make the decision whether or not we're ready, and I I think that's what they're banding about. Um, it's It's all going to come down to what holds our society together, and that's probably, for the most part, religion, and that takes it Form in many different ways, whether you're Hindu or Buddhist or, or Jewish or Christian or Muslim, whatever. It, it, it's the fabric that holds society together, and you don't want to destroy that uh, instantly, or destroy it at all, for that matter. But uh, that that's why it's going to be very dicey uh, when when it 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 takes place, and uh, it needs to be done kind of like what we just said in in bits and pieces. You can't unload everything on everybody at once. Uh, You can have to take it in steps, but I see those steps increasing in frequency and really increasing here in the last uh, five years. So uh, we're gonna be in interesting times
1: Here's one of the problems, as I see it. That is the the elites, the the people that with with more money than God, the people that are by and large responsible for keeping this lid on the UFO ET issue. Uh, they have technology, perhaps, back engineered from UFO crash sites. Uh, some have suggested that they have now the capability, as Ben Rich said, from Skunk Works, they have the ability to take E.T. home. They have sure. um, technology. That. Right. So the anti-gravitics and so forth, which means that the entire space program from Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, uh, the shuttle program has all been Window dressing—it's been a lie because we don't need to use rocket fuel uh, to get people into space if we have anti-gravitics, which means people have died uh, for no reason. Astronauts have died well, for no they've reason. Di-
2: they've died for a reason. They've died to keep us together and to keep our society intact.
1: Well, I was going to say though, but
2: it seems to take th- presidents, even even if a president's involved, Richard, and I won't I won't go down that road, but. Even if the former director of the CIA is involved, you have to keep us together as a society at all cost. That's well, their mantra.
1: But couldn't you argue, though, that they have blood on their hands, and then how then do they disclose that we've had antigravitics for who knows how long, 50, 60 years, uh, but they kept that from us.
2: Well, that's another and... problem they're going to have to tackle. Is how do you get the egg off the face of the government? This, right. You know, charade's been going on so long, it's perpetrated itself to, to, you know, you can't release everything all at once. We're just going to have to do it in steps. And I think... We, in, in some in some fashion, we've been doing that uh, with, with you know the the spores that the, and the little creatures the um, that, that have proven they can live without oxygen and here we have the navy actually admitting they don't know what those crafts are and. Now we the patents that that's been released. Without doubt, we've got back-engineered crafts, and that's why I said I did not know who they was when I, I I saw my craft. I don't know whether it was ours or theirs. But if you believe Ben Rich, who used to run the Lockheed Skunk Works, uh, anything you can think of, we've already done, and we've already been out there. There's there's been you know a correction in the equation we we had an error originally in the equation and we've got that fixed now so we can go to the stars and we've already been to the stars so from that standpoint yes it's a facade and i think the astronauts knew that and uh look at neil armstrong he was a changed man after he got back and you know it, it they're not allowed to talk about this stuff and and I've, I've read many articles that we've already been out there and we may even have a, a base on the on the back side of the moon why, why don't we have pictures from the back side of the moon we're so concerned with mars which is further away in our own moon you can't even show me the picture of of a, a structure that may be miles high back there and what are we hiding why, why don't we have pictures of the back side of the moon Excellent point. I bet you that they would be doctored.
1: So, Uh, Richard Dolan, um, who is I think you know a giant in this field and a a terrific historian, has written about UFOs and the national security state. Has made the point that those individuals or groups that have back engineered alien technology. At their disposal, and they won't give it to us. They almost constitute a breakaway civilization, in fact, maybe they're already off planet. That's uh, a
2: very, deep, very deep good space possibility.
1: So then, the question is, why would they be willing to give that up for us?
2: I'm not sure that they would. Uh, it's a, they're probably having, as we mentioned, an internal battle between the majestic 12 there are probably those that want to give us information and there's probably those that feel we can't handle it and i don't know where that will go necessarily but uh you know we just created the space force i think that's a farce. we've already been out to space i believe that we have uh you know contacts just just like your former Minister of Defense says, we've been in contact with people. We have people on our side. When I say people, I mean entities, either interdimensional or extraterrestrial. And we're already out there. So from that standpoint, everything that's pretty much happening is not real. It's a facade. And we've been living in this facade since... Who knows how long, Uh, probably at least maybe the late 50s, maybe early 60s, so how long is it going to go on?
1: So the day after disclosure, when we're told that there's life on other planets or there has been life on other planets, what else changes? Do you think they start to release some of this technology, religion? How does it change?
2: I've had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Barry Downing, and he, 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 he makes a very astute statement that, uh, you know, they're going to have to have a meta-reformation. Uh, you know, it's going to change, you know, in a heartbeat from divinity schools, from, from uh, seminaries, and from behind the pulpit. And it's going to change in an instant. And there again, that's a reason why I wrote "Crossing the Crevice" uh, to make that crossing, if you will, easier.
1: What else changes besides religion? Um,
2: well, I think I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of of the way we view ourselves and the way we view going forward will change. Uh, what needs to take place, and this is a personal comment, you just can't say we have free energy. You have to say how we're going to go from point A to point B, and that's something we've been very lax on with our energy policy now. Uh, You don't want people to wake up tomorrow and realize they don't have a job if, if they work in the oil fields or if they mine coal or if they pump gas out of the ground. You've got to have a plan, and that plan needs to be mentioned by the president or whomever makes the announcement and so nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and and lose their jobs because of this it'll be a slow gradual transformation from our fossil fuels and our currently known physics to this new uh, uh, world of physics and this free energy Uh, it may take 20 or 30 years but it needs to be planned out and communicated to the people in a non-threatening way. And that would allow companies to start up and work in the free marketplace with this new type of energy and still at the same time allow people to mine coal and steel mills to make steel and cars still to be made. Uh, It will be a slow, gradual transformation.
1: I mean, in other words, you believe that they have a free energy device in their possession now, but it's oh, sure. it's far too sure. it's Look far too disruptive. To
2: William Colby, the former director of the CIA, he was he was going to start talking about disclosure, and he had a free energy device he was going to expose to the public. What happened to him? he's a sound face down face down, face in,
1: face the down in the Potomac River. You got it. it
2: with his house unlocked and the coffee maker on and the computer on very, uh, let's just say, uh, questionable uh, what happened.
1: Well, we will have to delve into that uh, story. That's a fascinating one uh, on another occasion. Wallace, it's been a real pleasure. I hope we can do this again.
2: Well, Richard, the pleasure has been mine. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: Wallace Wagner, Jr., Crossing the Crevice, and the website CrossingTheCrevice.com. All right. Thank you, Wallace. My thanks to Carlos Kajina, technical production, Ryan White, the live stream producer, back next week with a brand new program, God willing. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Good night.